Welcome to the R&B Podcast, where we keep it real and biblical. The podcast to expand your Bible knowledge and boost your faith. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. Let's get into another truth-filled and exciting episode of Real Biblical Matter. Excited to be able to close out our three-part series today, Renovation of the Heart. You know, we've been talking about that renovation of the heart. And the idea is that small repairs and upgrades in our home is a good thing. But what's most important, what's critical is our foundation. You see, when the foundation is off, the entire home is off. But when the foundation is strong, that gives us an opportunity, the best chance at a, at a, at a, at a house that is, will last forever. You know, in the same way, we tend to deal with life and deal with behaviors at the, at the, the repair level. And again, that's a good thing, but yet what's most important is the foundation. And what we know is that our behaviors, well, that's only part of the problem. The, our, our behaviors are driven by our feelings. Our feelings and our thoughts are driven by our worship. And our worship is what rules the heart. So if we want to make drastic and transformational type changes in our lives, we have to go back to our worship. Renovation of heart begins with our worship. Affection decides direction. Where I direct my affection decides the direction of my thoughts, my feelings, and my action. My worship drives our feelings. And uh, we looked a little bit last week at that, at feelings and how feelings can be our, our, should be our gauge and not our guide. You know, I read a little bit from an article, uh, God designed your emotion to be gauges, not guides. They reveal what your heart loves, trusts, and fears. You see, our feelings, they tend to tell us a story. And uh, sometimes that story is true, but oftentimes it's not. And we have to understand that God gives us a choice in believing the truth and being guided by his truth versus our feelings. So today we're gonna to close out our series. We're gonna bring it all together by addressing a key aspect of being ruled by God. You know, before we move on, I have to thank you though. I wanna thank you for uh, sitting in on my therapy sessions the last few weeks. And so hopefully this time uh, uh, has been helpful for you, but I know that God has been renovating my heart. That is, I've had the opportunity to study this out, but also apply it in my own life that I've seen God work and move in great ways. And trust me, there have been some crazy moments, some crazy thoughts, some crazy feelings. But yet what I've seen is that, man, if I can apply God's truth to my life, that man, that, that, that helps in terms of God ruling my heart. You know, a helpful question that I've asked myself for the last couple weeks is, what is my disposition? What's the disposition of my heart? Dispo who? Disposition. You know, uh, disposition is described as the prevailing tendency or mood or attitude. The tendency to act in a certain manner. The attitude toward life around you. You see, we can be optimistic or, or you know, someone that kind of sees the world through a positive lens, or we can be 
pessimistic and kind of always negative. I think of the Debbie Downer type of person. Uh, we can be suspicious or we can be trusting. We can be someone who always thinks we're right and we kind of look through the world, look at the world through that lens, or we can be someone who tends to be humble and know that, that we're not always right. You know, those are dispositions. And the thing about your disposition of your heart is it affects you and it affects your attitude. It affects kind of how you see the world and God's ability to uh, use your, uh, to, to work and move in your heart. But it also affects the people around you. Everyone has a disposition of their heart. The question is, what disposition enables God to rule my heart? So I think that's a great question. Understanding that the disposition of your heart, how you view the world, your attitude, your mood, those different things, it affects God's ability to rule your heart. Do you push God away or do you draw him near? You know, what do these things have in common? Think about this. What do these few things have in common? COVID, 9-11, the birth of a child, Katrina, death of a close relative or loved one, a major health diagnosis. What do those things have in common? Well, those are life-changing events, potentially. Those are things that, that cause us to kind of pause and consider life's meaning, life's purpose. Man, when you come out the other side of those types of things, typically you're not quite the same because you realize and you're a bit more desperate and you see that you need God. See, we all kind of know that we should need God, right? But yet oftentimes it's in these moments of crisis where we actually reach out and we turn to God. We see we have a desperation of the heart. You know, I think about one time a few years back where I had a knee surgery. And so uh, I had uh, some, some knee work done, and so I'm, I'm laying up in bed, and, and uh, I can't move. And, and they're, 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 as I got a little bit better, I actually tried to get out of bed, and I wanted to turn off the light or turn on the light. I can't quite remember. But as I was reaching for the light switch, I threw my back out. I had re-aggravated this pinched nerve in my back. So somehow, some way, I kind of hobbled back over to the bed, and I'm, I'm lying in bed, and as I laid there, of course, my, I'm on painkillers, my, my, my knee is, uh, I can barely move from that, and now my, my back is tweaked, I, I, you know, and as I laid there more, it kept uh, getting strong, the, 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 the pain kept getting stronger and stronger and stronger, so I'm like almost paralyzed, and so, my head, I remember my head being right close to the headboard. And for whatever reason, I felt like I was paralyzed, that I could not move, and I started freaking out. I'm not usually claustrophobic, uh, claustra, claustrophobic. Is that how you say it? I think that's how you say it. But for whatever reason, that day I was. And I, I, I just felt like I was in a coffin, and I just started freaking out. I started sweating, and, and you know, again, my back is hurting, and I'm like, oh, what do I do? And my knee, and I can't move, and Kim and the girls had left the house, so I'm there all along, and I just remember feeling all this anxiety and feeling like I'm in this coffin. I just call out there, God, help me! And I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is embarrassing. But it's, it's in those moments of desperation where we tend 
to reach out to God, to see that we're desperate for God. The thing that I, the one thought that I have for us today is desperation leads to renovation. Desperation leads to renovation. See, when we're desperate for God, when we have this deep longing for God, it leads to a renovation of the heart. You know, today we're going to continue our time. We've been looking at Moses over the past few weeks, and we'll close out today by continuing to look at Moses. We're going to drop in on his life in Exodus chapter 33. We're going to do a little bit of a compare and contrast between Moses and Israel. And so a little bit of background here. God has established this covenant with Israel and uh, this agreement that he that God would be Israel's people, that they, but they would also worship him, that he would guide them, he would lead them, he would protect them, but he gave them commandments in which they were to worship and lead him. And we see in the previous chapter that within 40 days, the Israelites broke their covenant and they started worshiping this golden calf. And God was deeply pained. In fact, he, just, he invites Moses into that pain and, and the rebellion of the people. And we pick up here in Exodus chapter 33 and verse 1. It says, God said to Moses, Now go, get on your way from here and the people you brought up out of the land of Egypt. Head for the land which I promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I will send an angel ahead of you, and I'll drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, and the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. It's a land flowing with milk and honey, but I won't go with you in person. You're such a stubborn, hard-headed people, lest I destroy you along the journey. <laughs> wow. So here, God decides that the nation of Israel has broken God's commandment. Uh, and he's broken this covenant agreement. And they started worshiping the, this golden calf. And we see God's response. God decides to keep his promise and allow people to, uh, to go to um, the, the, the land flowing with milk and honey. He allow uh, Israel to continue to be his people. And yet, he says, you know what? I'm not going to go with you. Why? Because you're a stubborn and hard-headed people. God loves and, and he invites uh, Israel into this relationship and, and he even decides to forgive them and yet he understands it and he describes them as a stubborn people. Uh, NIV says a stiff-necked people. And, and we see Israel's response shortly after this where they actually mourn over their sin. They mourn over their sin. It says that they take off their garments, which is a sign of repentance, and they worship God. That's a good thing, right? Yeah, it is. That's a great thing. Those are, that's a sign of brokenness, a sign of, of mourning, a sign of the, that they need God, that they're desperate for God. But the thing is, this was just a moment. This was a moment of despair, a moment of sorrow, a moment of desperation, if you will. God holds out his hand and invites them. And in that moment, they see their brokenness and their need for God. And they reach back out to God and they respond to God. The problem is, it's only a moment. We see this pattern repeated where Israel 
in their brokenness, in their, their they have all, all kinds of moments where they would kind of hit rock bottom and they, they would reach out to God. They would be faced with some challenging and difficult circumstances and they would reach out to God. And then the other times, they would kind of do their own thing. The problem is they lacked a desperation. They only turned to God when they felt like they needed God. Their longing was situational. It was only during the times of trouble or when they were enslaved or these life-changing, life-altering events where they reach out to God. And I believe we could probably relate. I know that, man, in times of desperation, I reach out to God. I, I just got a bill the other day, $16,000 for my wisdom to. Man, God, I ain't got that kind of money. I need you. You know, there are times where, God, where I, I, I've made decisions and I, I've, I, I've, I, I've been in circumstances, whether it's my brother passing away or my parents going through divorce, where I feel like, okay, this is a moment in which I can't handle it on my own and I need God. But we have to understand and move beyond just moments of desperation to a lifestyle of desperation. God needs us and God wants us to reach out to him, not only when we need him, but all the time. And we see a different kind of disposition of the heart from Moses. He was one who not just reached out to God when he needed something from him, but all the time. Let's contrast Moses' response, even in this difficult situation. We'll continue reading Exodus 33 and verse 12. It says, Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you haven't let me know whom you will send with me. You said, I know your name. I know all about you and I'm pleased with you. But if you're pleased with me, teach me more about yourself. Then I will know you and I can continue to please you. Remember that this is your nation. This nation is your people. The Lord replied, I will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if you don't go with us, don't send us from here. How, can, how will anyone know that you are pleased with me and your people? You must go with us. How else will we be different from all the people, other people who on the face of this earth? The Lord said to Moses, I will go exactly, I will do exactly what you have asked. I am well pleased with you and I will know your name. I know all about you. We see here in Moses a different disposition than the nation of Israel. He appeals to God's compassion and his loyalty for his people. He says, I need your direction. I ain't going anywhere without you. If you're not going with us, I don't wanna go, God. We can't, we can't survive. You see a, a desperation, a longing for God's presence in his life, a trust in God's wisdom, in God's direction for not only a circumstance, but for his life. If you don't go, don't send us. You see a deep longing and desire for God. And we look at God's response. It's as if God was waiting for Moses to kind of relinquish control for God and God alone to rule his heart. And this was evident not only to Moses, but it became evident to the nation of Israel as well. He says, my presence will be with you 
and I will give you rest. He says, I am pleased with you and I will know you by name. Man, what an incredible exchange from a parent to a child. That man, I'm pleased with you and I will give you the rest that you desire and that you deserve and that you need. That's what we all desire. That's what we all want. Moses' desperation pleased God. Israel was desperate in the moment in their challenging circumstances, but Moses chose to be desperate for God in all situations. Was he perfect? Absolutely not. But we see a disposition. We see a normal attitude from Moses in which he needed God. You see, this desperation for God, it's, it's, it's simply an unquenchable desire and need for God. Desperation says, I've hit rock bottom and I have nowhere else to turn but to you, God. I need you, God. I need your hope. I need your direction. I need your wisdom. I cannot do this without you. My decisions hinge on you and your wisdom, God. We all know what it's like to hit rock bottom, but this desperation desperation for God is, is determining and choosing that now is our rock bottom, not waiting for the circumstances of life and the challenges of life to dictate when we turn to God. We choose to turn to God in any and all situations. Moses chose God. He embraced his weaknesses, but yet chose and trusted in God's strength. He embraced his limitations and trusted in God's infinite power. He acknowledged that he couldn't lead the people. I can't lead these people. But yet he chose and waited for God's direction. He chose to trust in God. That's a desperate heart in which God can work with. God will only renovate our hearts when we're desperate for him. You get to choose your rock bottom. Will today be, will right now be your rock bottom? Are you waiting for something else? Think about a time where you needed God about a time where you had to call out to God, where you were frustrated or you felt helpless or in despair. Think about that. Maybe it was an addiction or a catastrophic event or loss, but think about a time where you needed God. And if you feel comfortable, uh, post in the chat, share with us uh, uh, that time where you needed God. And the thing that I wanna ask you is, what if? I want you to imagine, what if that desperation that you had in that moment where you reached out to God. I think about moments like 9-11 or Katrina where as a nation we came and, 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 and we, we, we saw that, okay, man, we can't do this on our own. Where we came together and unified as a nation for the most part and we reached out to God. We felt a sense of helplessness. What if that was your normal? <laughs> What if that was the normal disposition of your heart? What if you chose to be desperate for God? The way in which you were desperate for God in that situation, 
was your normal. Yes, we'll have peaks and valleys. I get that. I understand. But to have this, this disposition, this desperateness where we choose to go to God, to turn to God, rather than trust in our own wisdom. What if that was our norm as an individual, as a community, as a, as a church? I can imagine how God could use and work through us in an amazing way. You see, desperation for God leads to renovation of the heart. And the question is, how do we step, how do we step towards this renovation, this desperation, this longing that God desires of us? And like Moses, I want us to understand that it's a choice. Yes, you can wait until something catastrophic happens in life. But my urging for us is to choose. It's a choice. Choose to nurture a longing for God in your life. A daily longing, a daily desperation, a daily seeing our need, a daily hitting rock bottom that we cannot do it on our own. That we have to have the God in our lives. That the same God that Moses turned to is the God that we have the opportunity to turn to. It's a choice. I want to dare us. I want to challenge us. As we close, I want to leave us with a, with a, with a dare to, 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 to choose a way in which we can nurture our longing for God, to choose to nurture our desperation to God daily that today I'm going to do something to nurture that longing. Maybe it's listening to music that guides you to God. Maybe it's praying in a way that you connect with God. Maybe it's singing so that singing to God because it, because it reminds you and it conjures up your connection with Him. Maybe it's walking with in nature with someone else to God. Maybe it's speaking truth into your life or allowing somebody else to speak truth into your life that helps you to nurture that longing for God. Maybe it's uh, uh, getting open with sin in your heart and in your life and bringing it into the to light so that you can nurture that longing and that connection to God. You know, the thing that I'm going to do, and I invite you to join with me this week, is I'm going to read Psalm 63. I love this passage, and I'm going to read that every single day. I actually put it on my calendar so that I can wake up and set my day uh, and be reminded of this longing desire that David had in the book of Psalm 63. It says, God is my life. I'm lovesick for you in this weary wilderness. I thirst with the deepest longing to love you more, with cravings in my heart that can't be described. Such yearning grips my soul for you, my God. I love that passage because it, it describes, and you get an illustration of, uh, of David's desire and his desperateness and his longing for God. And so every single day this week, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to reflect on that passage. And I'm going to set my heart to God. You know, I believe that this is our best way forward. That God is holding out his hand and is inviting us to be restored. To inviting us into this renovation of the heart where we can have this deep connection with God. Friends, 
family, church. My hope is that this series has been helpful for you, that you walk away, you're understanding, you're convinced that your heart has to be ruled by God, that God deeply desires a connection and a relationship with you. And that the only way to turn to God and to be renovated by God is one for our affection to decide our direction. Two is for our feelings to be a gauge, not a guide. And lastly, for our desperation, understanding that our desperation leads to renovation. So my hope is that you walk away desperate for your God like never before. I love you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for checking out the R&B podcast where you receive your real and biblical manner. Did you like what you heard? Do me a favor. Hop on social media and use the hashtag RBMANA or hashtag Real Biblical Podcast to share any gems that you may have heard or any aha moments and also why others should check out this awesome podcast. Be sure to tag me at Tornado Network so that we can share your insights with the world. I look forward to seeing you next time on The Real and Biblical Manner.